I think the only way they were able to really respect me is because they finally understood because I communicated it to them. And so I probably could have avoided a lot of conflict in a lot of my relationships if I just articulated it. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. And if you're brand new, here's what you need to know. This is a community that believes that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. We believe in the 12th century definition of wealth, which is the condition of well-being. And so every week, We focus on well-being in six pillars, and these are the areas of life that impact our finances, even when we're not thinking about it. If you need to get caught up, and I suggest you do, head to patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Again, the pillars can be broken down for you at patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Before we dive into this week's episode, it's brought to you by our Redefining Wealth private Facebook community. Yes, we have a community of purpose chasers from all over the globe. I don't believe that greatness can be created in isolation. You need people and you need like-hearted, not just like-minded folks around you. So join our free Facebook community at IamAPurposeChaser.com. You'll get to meet purpose chasers who are near you. Yes, in your own country, wherever you are. You can suggest show topics and guests and even get early access to upcoming events and programs. Purpose chasers always know first. So join us at IamAPurposeChaser.com. So in my work with Purpose to Platform, my group coaching program, I see and hear from women and coach women all the time that consider themselves to be introverts. And usually we'll start off with, well, I don't go live. I don't post. I don't like to come from behind the shadows because I'm an introvert. What they're typically bewildered by is the fact that I consider myself to be an introvert as well. Yes, for all the TV, all the stages, all the radio, all the things that require me to talk quite a bit, people are usually taken aback when I say that I'm an introvert. And so when I listened, when I stumbled upon The No Small Talk podcast, the episode that I listened to really helped me solidify (laughs) that I am very much an introvert and that there's no reason that anyone who's an introvert, and they're going to say in the episode some really big names, some folks that you are used to seeing um, in the public eye, some, some really big folks are introverts and it hasn't stopped them from purpose and it shouldn't stop you either. So... Let me tell you a bit about Sherry and Ebony. They are the dynamic hosts of the No Small Talk podcast, a lively space for introverts looking to build connections and level up in their personal and professional lives. Through conversation starters, interviews, and discussions, they help introverts connect with others naturally and confidently without the small talk. Without further ado, here's Sherry Balagon and Ebony Omade. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth Podcast, Ebony and Sherry. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Patrice. Thank you so much. excited about being here. Yeah, super excited. Thank you so much. Well, I always say this because I mean this about all of my guests because I don't invite people that I'm not really feeling or interested in like that. You're not more excited than I am. Like the day that I discovered your podcast, No Small Talk podcast, I felt like I had found my people. And I have to tell you, I don't know if you remember, I probably sent you guys a DM like early in the morning, right? And I usually don't go to social media in the morning. Like it's one of those things where I'm like, no, I'm not going to let that impact my day, right? I like to start with like prayer and journaling and getting in the prayer closet. And for some reason, I ended up, on Instagram and I saw no small talk, like someone liked something on my page. And I was like, no small talk. I hadn't really thought about it, but I was like, yeah, I hate small talk. Like that's kind of the <laughs> thought that I had. I was like, what they're talking about, like what that is. So I go and I just get engrossed in your content on IG. And then I'm like, you know what, for my quiet time, I'm going to listen to a podcast episode. 
And oh my gosh, I was not even midway through the episode. And I was like, these are my people. Like I need to, (laughs) I need to reach out to them because although I'm known mostly for like, you know, speaking on stage and television, and I think all of that stuff gives off one perception, but the truth is I identified so much with what you guys talk about in terms of being an introvert, a thriving introvert at that. Mm-hmm. And I just had never heard anyone articulate how I was feeling the way that you guys did. And it made me feel like I know that there's so many other people in my community who can identify with yeah. this and maybe don't know what to call it or how to label themselves, or maybe they're feeling like imposters because they're like, oh, I'm one way this way, but then you know, what people don't know about me is that I don't like this and this <laughs> and this and this. And so I'm more excited than you are. So <laughs> that was all my proof to say. I'm more excited than you are. And thank you for being here. Thank I'm you for gonna, having us. Yeah. I want to just get started by how did you guys come together to create the No Small Talk podcast? Well, Ebony and I are besties. We've been friends since college. I met her at Stony Brook University. And since then, we've been really good friends. But over time, we, you know, started to get involved in some creative projects. We used to have an online magazine. And similar, we spoke about different issues. And we wanted to get the ideas of Nigerian Americans growing up and getting some of their cultural perspectives. So we really wanted to focus on getting dialogue and point of views across. And as people started to grow their families, we kind of let go of the mm-hmm. magazine. But about two years ago, I was encouraged by my career coach to do this No Small Talk party because I was telling her that I like meeting people, but I don't like going out to clubs. And she said, you should have a No Small Talk party. And I did. I invited a few people over, asked them to submit two questions in advance I live in Maryland and Ebony lives in New Jersey. So I told her about it as well. And she's like, I can't be there, but I want to submit to you some questions. (laughs) (laughs) So she submitted questions and the event went really well. And Ebony and I spoke about everything. And we were thinking we should turn this into a podcast because we got a lot of good feedback. And so we said, let's just have a podcast where we're talking about different issues. And then somewhere along the line, we said, we'll do it for introverts. And someone had asked us, you know, why are you doing a a podcast for conversation starters for introverts? Are they awkward? And I'm like, no, they're not awkward. They're just introverts. And we just don't go out and have conversations like that. We sometimes find it uncomfortable, even at networking events that we know we have to be at. We sometimes find it uncomfortable, those settings. And we're often thrown small talk our way and we don't know how to handle that, right? So the idea of the podcast is to offer conversation starters that introverts can lead with and have more meaningful conversations and develop more meaningful relationships. That's what it really comes down to, right? Is is the meaningful part about no small talk. It's that I don't want to have very surface level conversation with you. I'd rather right. sit here and people watch and talk to myself, right? Like I could sit right. completely content and have a million different conversations and you know, things that I'm thinking about, things that I want to do and not necessarily engage. And I remember when I moved to Atlanta the first time back in 2009, and I was, you know, I was getting clear on my purpose. I knew what I wanted to go do. And I was in this space where I I was taking in all of the uh, advice of mentors. And, you know, everyone is like, you need to go to networking events and meet people like deer in headlights, right? I'm like, oh Mm -hmm. gosh, like, okay. So I would force myself to go to these events. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I was so uncomfortable. Now, someone started talking to me, obviously I could hold my own, you know, and I can do my thing, but the small talk drove me nuts. And I was like, there has got to be a better way. And that's actually how I ended up finding social media. I was not in Mm. social media before I had owned a brick and mortar business. It grew because of the work I did in California, but it didn't require networking. And that term networking, 
besides just a small talk, what, how do you describe an introvert who is thrown into these networking scenarios? How do you describe what goes through the body and the mind? In our profession, Sherry and I are both lawyers. So, I mean, we're in a profession that profession that requires you to do a lot of networking, you know, and, you know, speak in front of judges and large groups. So we know firsthand how this can be, quote unquote, draining. So for me, I've had um, similar situations like yourself where I have gone to networking events and felt very exhausted by it all. You know, it just felt very fake and meaningless, the small talk. And a lot of times I just find myself kind of picking one or two people that I stick with throughout the whole networking event and kind of just like, right. (laughs) Yeah. Just like clinging to that person. And, you know, we're talking about somebody that I had a connection with, obviously, but just like talking about anything and everything to me, is just, um, it feels forced and fake in my experience. And it just makes me feel very uncomfortable. So yeah, I I can't do it. Yeah. and, And I think a part of it too, as, as Ebony mentioned, being an attorney and going through law school, I found that a lot of people, they bragged a lot. It just seemed really pretentious. Networking mm-hmm. seemed very pretentious. It didn't seem like an opportunity to form authentic relationships. It was, right. here's my business card. Here's what I'm doing. Here's why I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. Here's what school I went to. And although I love being an attorney and I love my job, I don't feel the need to talk about my job everywhere right. I go. <laughs> I don't need mm-hmm. to feel the I don't feel the need to talk about my job after work. I really don't. Right. I'd rather talk about things that are more important to me, like my family or friends, you know, and I just found that that's not what people were talking about. And I don't know if, you know, doing the small talk or doing the career talk was just safer for them to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was it for me every time I had to go to an event trying to prepare myself for all of that. And how do I Mm -hmm. smile through it all? And how do I keep up the performance? And how do I, you know, seem like I'm really interested? And what do I have to offer to this conversation? (laughs) I love that you said that because the older I get, the less fulfilled I am by achievement for the sake of achievement, right? The less fulfilled I am by saying like, oh, I did this and I did that and you can catch me here. So unless it's a very professional, like I'm being interviewed, then okay, I will say these are the things that I did. This is how I built my business or any of those things. This past weekend, I went to a neighbor's house for a football game and there was a couple there that I hadn't met yet. And the husband, the very first thing that he said was like, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And I... I realized that I still clam up when people do that. Now for all the accomplishments and all the things, I still clam up because I don't define myself just by what I do. So, yes. you know, and sometimes I have the energy to to be petty and just, you know, go back and forth with people and be vague enough to get their interest and stuff. And sometimes I'm just not interested. And mm-hmm. I was so grateful my neighbor I think he could just tell that something was like not right in that exchange because I was like, oh, you know, I was like, oh, I'm an author. And he was like, really? Is it something that I've seen? And like, da, 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 and it, you know, and I'm just like, not that person. Like, I don't, I could talk to you five times and never know what you do. Cause I don't really care if you're not cool or you have bad energy. I'm not even interested in knowing you that deeply. right? Right. So my neighbor was like, oh, I just saw you on. CNBC, didn't I? Like, if you just throw by, so my neighbor is like pumping me up, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's true, you know. <laughs> but I realized that so many people, for me especially men, they just lean towards that "what do you do" conversation. I'm not comfortable just going all in, and I used to be upset with myself about it. Like you should, you know, when you leave something, you're like, you should have said yes this and that, and you should have did this. But I'm like. I have nothing. I, I have nothing to defend here. I don't have to put on for you. And I didn't know at one point if I just had a bad attitude, which I don't think I had a bad attitude, or is it just that I'm not moved by small talk, which I didn't know how to articulate until recently. Right. And I think the other part of it is, what do you do with such a loaded question? 
Because if you ask me, what do I do? What part of what I do do you actually want to know? Because, you know, to you, Patrice, you're a mother, you're a wife, you're a podcaster, you're an author, you're multi, you're, you have multiple roles and you do multiple things. So to ask me a question where you're limiting me to just one particular area of my life. And even when I tell you that, what new thing, what new information do you have about me? Right. And I think right. that's the problem with it, you know, and sometimes what I do um, now when I answer that question, I mentioned that I'm a lawyer, but I also mentioned the fact that I'm first generation Nigerian American, that I also mm-hmm. am a big city girl, that I'm an introvert. You know, I mentioned multiple parts about me that I'm one of four children so that you walk away with this holistic picture of who I am. I think you're very kind to do that. <laughs> Well, it's not even for them. It's really for me because honestly, for me, it's, I want to walk away like I just had a meaningful conversation that this interaction was worth my time, right? Because as Ebony mentioned, the whole networking and socialization, it can be draining, but I go back each time if I know I can make this a bit more um, interesting for me and, and my time, honestly. That's good. That's good. Ebony, any thoughts on that? I mean, you may, you said mentioned something earlier where you said sometimes you feel like you're giving off a bad attitude. I've had that experience before. And it's not because I was like having an attitude or anything. It's just that I was not here for it. Like <laughs> it just felt like forced and fake. And, you know, and a lot of times there's this misconception or myth that introverts, we have a bad attitude or we're rude. And it's just that we don't really have time or we're not feeling, you know, the small talk and we just want to build deeper connections. So when people ask you questions that you're not really, it's not engaging, it just feels like a waste of time almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. So that was Saturday. The game at the neighbor's house was Saturday. Then we get invited to a dinner on Sunday evening and met a gentleman there we had never met before. And he asked me about how many siblings I had. And so that's always a loaded question for me because, you know, Papa Rolling Stone. <laughs> you got situation. So I'm like, well, you know, in the house. So it was, it was fun to like, you know, do that little thing. And he's like, oh, I saw the shoulder move. Shoulder move means like there's extra to this story. There's more coming. There's more coming. But he never asked me what I did. And we had the best conversation. Mm-hmm. I learned all about, you know, we traded stories about how we parent and having to go up to the school and let folks know. Like, it was just such a great conversation. I was at that dinner for maybe an hour. I was at the other house for three hours. I never knew that other gentleman that only asked me, what do you do? And then tried to size right. me up, right? And that mm-hmm. is for me, I didn't start the conversation with the other gentleman. He like dove right in, but that was such a great starter to lighten it up and to really engage. And now I feel like I have a new potential friend in this you know, new area that we live in. And to me, that's what it's about. And there's this quote that says, introverts don't hate small talk because we dislike people. We hate small talk because it puts up barriers between people, right? And so you walked away from that interaction because you guys were actually able to connect, right? And it was meaningful. It was interesting. It was dynamic. When someone asks you, how do you do? I mean, what do you do? It doesn't create an opportunity for you to make that connection. And that example, I think was perfect. I love it. So. When did you guys realize you were actually introverts? Because I didn't have that as a term necessarily growing up. And I always kind of felt, I felt like I was not fake, but like I was putting on, right? Like, so I knew that I could stand up and I wasn't scared to speak. I love to get on stage. I mean, my mom would throw me into the the Christmas plays, the Easter pageants, all the things. I never had a fear of that. But when I heard people speak about introverts, they made it seem like every introvert was shy and Mm -hmm. unable to do those things. And so because I could, I didn't know how to classify myself. Not that you need a label, but I didn't know. I didn't know how to identify you mentioned earlier uh, the thing about being shy. And a lot of people do assume that introverts are shy. And I can say to a certain extent, Sherry might not believe me, but I do find that I am shy a little bit. 
But that doesn't necessarily mean that being shy makes you an introvert. Although many introverts like myself do identify with that. But for me, I like to say that it started sometime in law school. And Sherry and I talked about this. In law school, there's something called the Socratic method. And I remember my first year of law school, I hated it. Like every day I would go to class dreading being in there because I knew that there's a potential that I'd be called on. So the Socratic method is when the professors, they call on you randomly and ask you questions. Um, and it's the intent behind it is to prepare you for when you go into law and you might before, stand before judges and so forth. So I think it was during that time that I started to notice that I didn't want to be put on the spot or I was very much in my head, like, you know, worrying about how I sounded to my classmates that I sound smart. Did I say something that didn't make sense? Very much feeling awkward in that position. And then in law school, we also found ourselves doing a lot of the networking events and trying to get summer associate positions. And I just always felt very drained by it. Like it just felt very forced and fake. And I never really felt like I was able to build good connections with anyone while I was there. And it just kind of made things, I I think that's, I don't know that I was always an introvert because growing up as a kid, like yourself, I was very involved in activities. Like in high school, I was involved in student government. Um, In college, I was also very involved with the African Students Union and, you know, student government as well. But The difference is that I see is that in those situations, I had very deep connections with the people that I was working with, whereas in law school, it just felt very surface, you know, like there was no deep connection. And that's where I started to notice that there's a difference here. Like the connections that I, you know, build with people, they have to be more than just surface level. It has to be some sort of deep bond and connection that I build. So what about you, Sherry? Very similar story. I did not know that I was an introvert, as Patrice mentioned. I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know there was a label. I didn't know it was a personality type. I do know that growing up, I actually, if I had to put a label to it, I think growing up, I probably was more extroverted. I did not mind being the center of attention. I actually loved acting and being on stage plays. I thought that I was going to be a child actor though. I really thought I was going to be on the Cosby show. Thank God that didn't work out. But <laughs> I, you know, I, I didn't have a problem, you know, engaging and going to parties. Networking didn't intimidate me. I probably did not call it networking at the time, but being around people did not drain me. But then going into law school, I started to notice certain patterns in how I socialized. I preferred the more intimate settings, the one-on-one conversations. Mm-hmm. I did not like the group study. Group study was not my thing. And that was very common. You know, mm-hmm. five, seven people coming together to study. I need to study alone. I need to process information alone, mm-hmm. get my thoughts together. And I actually thought that there was something wrong with me. I thought that I was slow, that I was not able to process information as quickly as the people around me. And I struggled with that. Similar to you with the Socratic method, that made me nervous because for me, I wanted to be prepared. I want to know exactly what the question is going to be before I am called on, right? And then Mm -hmm. going into practice, again, I struggled with the holiday parties and the mixers, but I did great on the one-on-one intimate conversation. So I believe that as I got older, I became more introverted and I didn't realize that I was until someone told me what it was. And I started to do more Mm -hmm. research on it and looking at the signs of, you know, common introverted traits or introverted people, I resonated with it. Like, this is me. Even if I went to an event, because I was, I networked. It's not that I couldn't network, right? Mm -hmm. I networked. I just didn't enjoy the process. And I knew that coming home after a networking event, I needed hours or a day or two to recharge. (laughs) I needed that alone time. I needed to shut off TV, the telephone, computer, everything, just to get some quiet alone time to refuel my battery. And that's when I started to realize this is not just me. When I started to do research, this is not just me. This is a thing. It's an introvert thing. And it made me feel better. It made me realize there's nothing wrong with me. And so Patrice, when you left that DM that morning, 
similar to you that I don't typically go on Instagram first thing in the morning, but I went on that morning and I heard your message and I completely related with it. And I could, and I did the same thing that people do with me. Like you're an introvert, but you're (laughs) always on stage. You're doing all this speaking. You have this very bright, vibrant personality. And it's hard for people to see us as introverts because they see us doing the socializing and they see us doing the networking, but they don't, see how depleted we are after the fact and they don't see how much mental and emotional preparation that we do going into these events and these interactions. One misconception about introversion versus extroversion, right? Um, You know, introverts, we need, you know, we draw energy from spending alone time and recharging, whereas extroverts, they get their energy from spending time with other people. And it's funny because I have a girlfriend who is um, very much an extrovert. Like she's very over the top. Love her to death, but she's very out there, very much an introvert, extrovert. And she's married to an introvert. And she confided to me, confided in me um, a few months ago saying that she was going crazy during this lockdown. She's like, I can't, I can't do it. You know, and she's like, she joked about how her husband is thriving, you know, and he laughed and he joked and he said, you know, what lockdown? I don't even notice that there's a lockdown. So I think that um, to your point, Sherry, you know, as introverts, it's very important for us to have that time to ourselves to kind of recharge, you know, and get that energy. So I think that's important for people to know the differences. And so people would assume that I am the extrovert and that my husband is an introvert because he comes off more shy and serious, but he recharges with people. So when the lockdown happened, I was praying for old boy every day. I was like, oh, he's not going to make it. He's going to die out there. He's not going to make it. Whereas I was thriving like your mm-hmm. first time. I was like, this is amazing. I like, I don't have to get on a plane. I don't like, and I love what I do. And in the moment, I love it. I love the energy. I love the exchange with people. But as soon as I'm done, when people are like, hey, we're all going to go out. I cannot. Uh, like room service, best friend. Like I have to go to the room and get room service and be by myself in order to, and I always tell my family and my close friends, and even I've told my clients, the reason that I'm able to do what I do is because I actually spend more time than you know by myself. Yep. Like that's how I recharge, that's where I get my downloads, that like by myself, processing information, processing life lessons, I'm like, these things don't happen to me the same in conversation. I'm very much an individual processor. Um, And also, you know, for people who don't, who know me personally, they would probably say sometimes that it can come off as antisocial because Mm -hmm. people will invite me like, hey, we're doing this thing. And I'm like, you got to dress up. They're like, well, you have to dress on stage. Right. Because I'm working, right? Like, I'm like, my girlfriend the other day is like, you want to hang out? You want to go to the garden room in Atlanta? And then she's like, you want to chill? I'm like, I want to chill. (laughs) Like, I know I just came home from chilling, but I want to come to your house and chill. Like, I don't like groups of more than like five, seven people. Like, even when people invite us over, once it gets kind of big, I'm like, all right, this is not okay. This is nice, but I can't stay here all night. Right. It's funny that you say that, Patrice, because right before we jumped on, I was thinking about this in the dating world. You know, I'm single and I'm dating. And I kid you not, if Netflix and chill did not have such a negative connotation to it, that is all I would do. (laughs) So when guys meet me and they want to go out, the idea of going to a restaurant and all of that fluff, I really don't want to because I don't want to have to dress up. And then when we go to a restaurant, we have to be conscious of how much noise we make. Can I laugh Mm -hmm. too loud? How intimate can our conversations get? But if we just chill at home, I can wear my sweats, my sweats, my T-shirt, my fitted, and we can just chill and talk, right? Like no pretense, no walls, just completely unguarded and ourselves. And I really wish sometimes I could say, do you want to come over without them having like any other thoughts? (laughs) Well, okay. so at this point, we've talked about a little bit. We've touched on some characteristics of of, um, being an introvert. And I want to make sure that 
the audience understands, like for me personally, with all the personal development and all the things, it really wasn't until I heard your podcast where you guys were going down this list Mm -hmm. of like how to know you're an introvert. And that was the first time I was like, oh, wow. Like if there's 20 things, I definitely checked 18. So I'm going to just share some of them and we can just kind of pick it apart or share your experience with it. Um, But some of the ones uh, that really stood out to me, signs you're an introvert. We already talked about enjoying alone time. We really Mm -hmm. don't need a whole bunch of company. Do your best thinking alone. Faking when you have to network. Definitely. Um, Yes. One of these that that stood out to me was uh, you've been told you're too intense. (laughs) Sherry. (laughs) she gets that a lot yes because we don't want to talk about the weather we don't want to talk about traffic we don't want to talk about what you do but I don't mind talking about your divorce I don't mind talking about the meaning of life I don't mind talking about the meaning of death right so like we enjoy those topics things that really have meaning and sometimes people are like you're too deep. You're too yeah. intense. Yeah. It's too deep. <laughs> so that happens to me a lot. Well, it used to when I'd be out speaking. So one of the things as a speaker that I'm really known for is that I always stay until every last person who wants to meet me or get their book signed or any of that. Like I'm the person that's like, I'm going to stay and talk to everyone. Well, my lines always take a really long time because I literally talk to people, mm. but I'm not like you know, let me sign your book. I'm like, what was the number one thing you're going to do when you leave? Like, what was your greatest concern when you came here? And people are like, I like that. Uh, oh, wow. Wait, this is, oh, wow. And I've heard that, like, you were way too intense. You need to just sign and let people go on about their business. But I'm like, I really genuinely want to know how was your life impacted? Like, how are you going to transform? What are you going to do with what you learned? And I pretty much have, 97 different ways that I asked that just based on the energy of the person. But I never, I never connected it to anything else. But, you know, I genuinely do want to know that the, that what you heard was impactful, but I would hear all the time from more like other speakers, like you were doing way too much. You were way too intense. Don't nobody have time for all that, (laughs) but it made me happy. No, it's true. And I think, like you said, introverts are truly, like, we're curious, we're interested about things, learning new things, we're interested in Mm -hmm. people. And so if we heard a message or we're sharing a message, we want to know how that impacted that person. But it's always interesting to see and hear their reaction. Like, I never thought about that, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) You, You find that a lot of people don't spend that time in introspection. And that's always an interesting takeaway. Yeah, I agree. So here's another one. You concentrate for long periods of time. Can you guys like go hard and have to remind yourself like you should probably take a break? Because I've been accused in my team meetings of being like not sensitive to the fact that other people need potty breaks and food and stuff. I'm like, but we're getting so much done. Let's just stay focused. But I will go like go. Yeah, I feel that I'm the same way, like very self-motivated because especially if it's, I'm working on something that I really love and enjoy, like I can go all day, every day and not sleep. And that can be kind of unhealthy for yourself and for your team. So I'm the same way, but I think it's, I think it's also a great quality that introverts have, especially if you're an entrepreneur, because, you know, you're motivated, you're able to get things done and produce, but you also have to be conscious of, okay, Breaks are, you know, healthy and important, you know, to do some from time to time. So I don't think it's a bad trait, but it definitely is an introversion trait for sure. Yeah, I think that is one of our strengths that we can focus and zone in on a particular issue or item and just kind of, you know, do whatever we have to do to get something done. It makes us, I think we are productive people. But I think one of the other things is that we also have a lot of thoughts running around in our minds. And I think sometimes we go for those long stretches because we want to make sure that whatever we're thinking at the time, whatever we're trying to accomplish, we got it done. If we take a break, we might forget. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that also causes anxiety. So while I'm here and while I'm thinking about it, let's just work on this right now. Yeah. And for me, when I get in those zones, like I just don't like to be interrupted with 
Mm-hmm. I'll talk. <laughs> like, right. I'm like, why are we talking about that? We could be getting this done. And mm-hmm. so it's even a challenge I'd have to say as a mom, because mm-hmm. my daughter is definitely more of an extrovert. And she definitely, like, we both talk a lot, but I only want to talk about things that feel deep for me. And Mm -hmm. as a mom, I'm recognizing that I have to respect what feels deep for her and her 13-year-old mind. But but really, it's small talk or it's not (laughs) like, you know what I'm saying? And it's like that battle of like, yeah, this is who I am, but I'm her mom. And mm-hmm. how do I create the safe space for her to feel like I'm genuinely engaged and paying attention, but it pains me sometimes. We set boundaries because sometimes she'll come in with a 30 minute story and I'm focused and I'm trying mm-hmm. to get so I have to be like, wait until mom's done and then I'll come listen. But I see that it's hard for her even sometimes to understand why I get so laser focused or I'm so intense or I'm so serious and her dad will stop every two seconds, but he's more of the extrovert. So he enjoys the interruption. I don't. So are you guys parents and how are you, have you been able to pinpoint in your own children, you think someone's an introvert, an extrovert, and how do you balance that with your own personalities? Well, I have five kids, Patrice. Well, 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 wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) In the episodes that I've listened to, well, wait a minute. Yeah, so I I do have five kids. I have five little ones, and their ages range from nine to 20 months. So I have a nine, eight, five, three, and 20-month-old. And yes, to answer your question, I do have, a you know, I have picked up, you know, on whether they're extroverts or introverts. My daughter, whose aid is actually very much an extrovert and similar to what you said about your daughter, she wants to have conversations all the time. She's Miss Social and is always on 10 and very energetic, whereas mommy just kind of needs you to reel it in a little bit, you know, just bring it in. Whereas my son, who's my eldest, is very much like me and his dad, because my husband is also... Um, an introvert, which works for our relationship. Um, and he's very more relaxed, calm, very introspective and reflective though. Um, I'm able to see in his personality already that he's in his head and he's very much aware of, you know, how people are viewing him and how he's coming off across, very intentional for a nine-year-old. So I try to be as a parent respectful of each of their personalities, even though I probably can connect more with my son because we're both introverts. It's just something that I'm figuring out along the way. And the other ones are too young to really know yet. But being married to an introvert, I think is great because we can just like enjoy each other's company. We're very low maintenance. So we're homebodies. We can Netflix and chill all day, every day and be fine with it. Like it's just what it is. Sherry, before we get to your experience as a mom, you're a mom, right? No, I'm oh, you're single. Not. No, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So actually going to spouses then and that whole, you're like, well, luckily I'm married to an introvert. What do you say and what has your experience been maybe even in dating or anything, being an introvert and being in relationship with someone who is an extrovert? Because my husband pretends to be shy he requires people. He requires the stimulation of people while I am very self-contained. Like I don't need people and and hear me, hear me extroverts out there, listeners, don't, don't get in your feelings. But I don't feel like I need people to enjoy my time. I enjoy being by myself. I was also, so I have um, several siblings again, Papa, Right. Even though I have several siblings, I was raised as an only child. So I was raised by myself. I learned how to self-soothe, self-motivate, like do everything on my own. And so it's a stretch. I will say for me, I've had to learn in almost 13 years of marriage how to manage the fact that my husband needs the stimulation. And so when he Mm -hmm. goes somewhere, not coming off like Debbie Downer, because Mm -hmm. I'm like, you really want to get dressed and go outside? Do we even know those people really? Like, should we really be, right? Like, I'm like, do we really need to go? And that's been a dance. 
before Sherry answers, I just want to say that being married to an introvert, though, can kind of have its downers, though, because my husband will feed into that. If I know I'm supposed to be going somewhere and I'm like, I don't really want to go because I'm not in the mood. He's like, yeah, well, then, then just don't go. And I'm like, you're not supposed to tell me that. I need to go, you know? So I think there needs to be some sort of balance because introverts, you can just feed each other and it's just, it can be a disaster. I, I do agree with Ebony because I'm not sure that I would want to marry an introvert. I would want an extrovert that likes to have good conversation. Because I do think that I can kind of go to the extreme. Like I can be a a hermit. I am home all the time. And sometimes I do need that push. That said, I have dated extroverts and there has been some conflict because I can't go out all the time. I do think that it's one compromise. I do think that Patrice, you might need to bend a little bit and just sometimes, you know, honor your husband's request and go out once in a while. I think that what helps in those situations is creating boundaries, right? So knowing maybe you go at seven, but you have to be home by nine, right? And knowing that before you go at seven, you need two hours of Patrice time to just chill. So I'm not doing chores. I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to rest and prepare for this seven o'clock, you know, couples night out. Mm -hmm. I think that is helpful. I think that um, the other thing, and Ebony, I believe you mentioned this to me because I struggled with this, not only in romantic relationships, but just my personal relationships where people were asking me to go out and I would say no, and I would get called antisocial. The other thing is I'm not a big phone person. So I get criticized for not answering phone calls or returning phone calls. And Ebony, I'm not sure if you remember this, but one time you asked me, well, have you explained to them why you are the way you are? Have you explained that you're an introvert and these are your needs? And this is why you can't go out. And honestly, I haven't. And I think having the podcast and us being a bit more visible and transparent about it on social media, my friends now understand me and they respect me and they respect my boundaries. And I think the only way they were able to really respect me is because they finally understood because I communicated it to them. And so I probably could have avoided a lot of conflict in a lot of my relationships if I just articulated it. I think to give myself the benefit of the doubt, though, one, I didn't know I had this label. I didn't know what it was (laughs) to be able to describe it. But now that I know what it is. I think that um, for myself and for other people who find themselves in similar situations, explaining it to people goes a long way, even at work, explaining why I need to have an agenda beforehand or why you may not hear me speak out loud in front of a meeting with 30 people. That has been very helpful in my success. That is so good. So I will say that I do bend. I do bend. (laughs) But... One of the things that I realized works for me is that I have to know in advance, whereas my husband is a very spontaneous, I wish mm-hmm. to go wherever. And it's the like, oh gosh, now I need to get dressed. You know, like what hair am I going to put on? <laughs> um, like now I need to do these things. It turns into all these things for me. Whereas if it's like, I know, okay, we're going to go out on Friday night at 9 p.m. for this event. I'm like, okay, cool. Cause I have all week to process and figure out how I'm going to preserve my energy throughout the week so that I'm prepared. Right. I'm not really good at the last minute. I've never been the girlfriend that you could be like, girl, what you doing? Let's roll. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, I'm I mean, never, I've never been that girl, but that's how I would end up at times being labeled like, oh, you all you want to do is stay home or you're antisocial. Or mm-hmm. for me, I think because of the visibility of my career over the last several years, people assuming I was busy and not inviting me was almost like a blessing. Because right, but then I would start to be like, well, how come they? How come they got it? Yes, started feeling a certain kind of way. Yes, and it's so funny. We have that contradiction. Yes, Mm -hmm. because there is that need to spend alone time, and then people get used to you wanting to be by yourself, so they stop inviting you. And then you suffer from the FOMO, right? Mm -hmm. The fear of missing out. No one is calling you anymore. You're like, but wait a minute, and you know what? Invite me, give me the choice to say no. 
And you people tired of you saying no. And her neck feelings are like, but give me an option. You know, yeah. I might have been, if you told me in advance, I might have had time to prep myself and get myself together. I am the worst with cell phones. Like I'm the worst with phones. And I think that people's expectation is that everyone has their phone like attached to them. And mm-hmm. I am the worst. Like I will, I might even initiate conversation with you. But once I say what I said, I was pretty much done. So oh, when no. I set the phone <laughs> down, I will go on throughout the house. I am the queen of like, where did I leave my phone? Because I could go for an hour and not even think about the phone. So mm-hmm. I will pick up a conversation from like three weeks ago. Like you just texted me yesterday. I'd be like, girl, hey, i <laughs> I started that text and it's a running joke. They're like, she's the worst <laughs> with cell phones. Yep. Yeah. I, yep. I, I get home from work and I throw my phone and wherever it lands, it lands. I don't know where it is. And, you know, because you spend a whole day at work or on meetings, whatever, talking to people. By the time you get home, you're just drained, right? And I'm the same way. People know they're going to text me and get a response maybe two, three weeks later. They actually, Mm -hmm. they know this. And I I really do think it helps that your friends know you. And after a while, like you said, you just have to laugh about it. You accept it. It is what it is. It's not personal. This is just how I'm wired. So forgive me. And thanks for understanding. But I'm used to it by now. I'm used to being on, um, what do you put us on mute every now and then? Do not disturb. (laughs) Yes. I have a bunch of muted conversations (laughs) But, you know, I actually encourage anyone to do it, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, challenge yourself and put your phone away. I I find that that a lot of times Mm -hmm. when we talk about what gets in the way of actual relationships and connections, it's the cell phone because we're together at dinner, but we're not present because we're looking Mm -hmm. through our phones, we're on social media, put the phones away. And I actually think that our connections are a lot stronger when we don't have that phone as a distraction. I think there's a lot more meaningful ways that we can get together, engage outside of the cell phone. I agree with that. I Because I think that when I'm actually in your presence and I am super focused on you and what you're talking about, you appreciate the fact that I don't care about my phone. Mm-hmm. Right. It's all, like it's only when you may have something to say right. and help someone else or doing nothing. And I'm present to that, that you're like, I mean, I sent you a, I asked you a question six days ago. And my brother, it's funny, before I moved back to Atlanta, he would just like text me. He was here in Atlanta when I was in California. He's like, what if I'm having an emergency? I'm like, well, first of all, I would hope you wouldn't text. That's number one. <laughs> right. And then second of all, I'd hope you hang up and call 911 because what can <laughs> I do for you from California? Absolutely nothing. Like, so right. your, your emergency texts, if you're going to send a text, should really be reserved for people in your neighborhood. Like, because... <laughs> I'm too far away and a text is not going to get my attention. Like that just is what it is. But again, when I heard you guys, I just felt like my people, like I feel so seen, I feel heard and I feel not as, I'll just say I wasn't in, I'm not beating myself up like I used to because Mm -hmm. I used to feel like, why aren't you more, right? Mm -hmm. Why don't you like this more? Why do you not go hang out with everyone after the event or why. And I used to try to pick it apart, which was really just picking apart, you know, the very fabric of just who I am. And I feel like, again, the reason that I can do what I do and why I've had the success is because a part of my personality is being an introvert. And these things Mm. helped me cultivate like a lot of the things that people see publicly. I don't, you know, and why pick it apart? Just embrace it. And for the purpose chasers that are listening, I think it's also really important to say that, you know, you guys are successful attorneys and you have a great podcast and I do my thing. And being an introvert does not have to prevent your success, your ability to chase your purpose, your ability to stand tall, proud and do your thing. That ain't it. Amen. You very much can do whatever you've been called to do. And there are very successful, prominent leaders, creatives that identify as introverts. Oprah Winfrey identifies as an introvert. 
Rosa Parks, Barack Obama, Barack Obama, you know, Shonda um, Rhimes, um, Barack, Zuckerberg, Obama? Barack, Barack Obama, Obama, a whole president, yes. right? So we have thought leaders, leaders, creatives, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the people that, you know, are the masterminds behind a lot of these great innovations, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, the CEO of Tesla, a lot of these people are introverts. And we wouldn't know because we're like, they're leaders. So they have to be outgoing and experts, loud personalities. No, that's not the case. So I think that sometimes introverts, we use our introversion as an excuse because we assume that the world won't accept us. Or we also Mm. sometimes think we don't have what it takes because we live in, in an extroverted world. But we always say, don't let your introversion stop you. In fact, we have a lot of great skills that we can leverage And that's really Mm -hmm. why we have the podcast to be a safe space for introverts to feel accepted, to embrace their qualities, because a lot of us felt alone before, Mm -hmm. you know, and all it takes is one introverted person to say, no, I'm an introvert and I'm a leader and I do this. And we're like, oh, if that person can do it, then so can I. And so I'm so glad that the podcast resonated with you, Patrice. Yes. And that is why I wanted you guys to be here. (laughs) <laughs> I just I wanted to shine a light on a safe space to learn those conversation starters and just to know that if you are feeling like, oh, wow, I, I definitely think I'm an introvert, that you know that you're not alone and that it is right. not an excuse. Like it doesn't stop you from doing whatever you were called to do. So I appreciate you guys so much. Before I let you go, I'm going to ask you some redefining wealth rapid wisdom questions. Okay. The introvert in them was like, um, I really needed preparation. I needed to know <laughs> questions were coming. But it's literally, it's the first thing that comes to mind. There is no right or wrong answer, obviously. So we're going to go Ebony and Sherry when you're answering, just so we can make sure we know who's who. And we'll do the first question is, how do you define success? So success is what? It's subjective, right? It's going to mean different things to different people. For me, success is not really tied to any monetary wealth. Realistically, it's more so knowing that I'm able to achieve the goals that I've set out for myself, knowing that I fulfilled my purpose, having my friends and family around me, because I'm all about friends and family, and um, just having that strong spiritual base. So all those things coming together for me is really where I find success in my life. It's not just one thing. It's a combination of all those things that I mentioned. Sherry? So for me, success is being in complete alignment with the purpose for which I was created. So every business encounter, every job opportunity, every social interaction, friendship, relationship, being part of that alignment with my purpose. Love it. Okay, the next one is, how do you define wealth in three words or less? Ebony. Okay. An abundant life. You better go, girl. Because it ties into everything that I said earlier. So this is why Ebony and I are best friends, right? Because I felt like even in her first answer, she alluded to purpose. My first answer alluded to purpose. The same thing when, you know, thinking about wealth, my definition of wealth is an abundance of purpose. Mm-hmm. But yours was four words. Sure. Abundance of purpose. We got to say, <laughs> I thought, I didn't think the propositions count. Abundance of purpose. <laughs> I count it all. I count it all. I love it. I love it. Okay. The next one is name one book that has helped you redefine wealth for yourself. Well, I'm currently reading a book called The E-Myth Attorney. And it was recommended by a colleague of mine. It's actually based off of another book that's called The E-Myth, Why Small Businesses Fail. I haven't read that one. But the reason why I like this book, um, because it's really helped shape my mindset around building wealth as an attorney, as a solo practicing attorney. Because a lot of people that are in my field who practice the type of law that I practice, immigration law, some of them have this mindset that if you're doing good work, you shouldn't worry about the money. And realistically, there's nothing wrong with wanting to build wealth for yourself and your family. So this book has really opened my eyes to understand that you can still do good work and still build wealth and money and generational wealth for your family at the same time. So it's really just 
focusing my mindset on thinking more like a businesswoman and an entrepreneur, but still being able to produce and impact people's lives in a positive way. So I love that. That's why I like that book. I love it. Sherry? The book that changed my perspective on it, and it's a book that I read regularly, is called Toward a Meaningful Life. It is by a a Jewish rabbi, Reb Menachem Mendel Schneerson. And even though it is by a rabbi, regardless of faith, it's a book that provides gems and wisdoms to anyone. And the premise of the book really is on the obligations of man to society, specifically focusing on giving and giving to others. A lot of times when we think about giving to people, we think that if we give, that we now put ourselves in lack. Right. And so when we think about giving charity, well, what if it's my last dollar? If I give to this homeless man, even though he's homeless, it's still my last dollar. Do I keep it or give it to that person? And the book is really focused on instead of thinking about self and coming from a place of lack, understand that the more you give, you get back in return in in different ways. And that's what leads to a meaningful life. And that meaningful life is what brings the joy and the fulfillment and the happiness and the success. I think people are listening to you guys and they are like, I see why Patrice likes them so much. But like (laughs) all of the same terminology and language. Like we talk about you deserve to do damn good work and make damn good money doing it. Like (laughs) good work and be broke. Right. And Mm -hmm. also just the meaning and fulfillment and purpose. Like we love that. So when you guys go listen to No Small Talk, just understand an extension of redefining wealth. Is, you know. <laughs> so for this one, you're going to fill in the blank. And okay. um, again, first thing that comes to mind. So my name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Ebony. And to me, the truth about wealth is being purposeful. Sherry? My name is Sherry. And for me, the truth about wealth is if it's purposeful, it's attainable. All right. We have the same responses. We're in our heads. You're in my head. (laughs) You've been your best friends for a long time. um, I just enjoyed this conversation so much. I am so grateful that you all said yes. I'm so grateful that I was divinely led to scroll on Instagram in the morning, which I never suggest for anyone. But hey, sometimes we do it. It was the perfect day to happen to see that notification. And just thank you guys for the work that you do, for the work you do in this space. Your voice was so needed. Your podcast is so dope. And I just wish you all the best, continued success. And just thank you. Thank you, Patrice. Thank you for having us, Patrice. All right. Did you learn something new? Perhaps like me, you may have discovered maybe I'm an introvert. I want you to keep in mind that it's very much about how you recharge too. How do you get your cup to overflowing? Some people need to do that in the presence of many. And some people like me need to do that completely alone, completely alone and easily get overwhelmed when there's just too much stimulation and too much going on. Yet, It hasn't stopped Ebony and Sherry from pursuing their purpose. It hasn't stopped me from pursuing my purpose. It hasn't stopped Erica Davenport, who you've heard on the podcast earlier this year. She was in my Purpose to Platform program and getting her emails all the time. And she's still out there. Literally, her platform is She Pursues Purpose. So she's still out there chasing purpose. And it doesn't have to stop you. So For those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while and you've been like, you know, Patrice, I really wish I could get into all these things that you're talking about, but I'm an introvert. I want to encourage you to check out the No Small Talk podcast. Get into those conversation starters. Listen to the tips that Ebony and Sherry give because it'll really just be a blessing to you and continue to hopefully help you expand your idea of what's possible for you in this season. And I don't want to speak as if everyone who's an introvert is like, oh, I can't do this thing. But I know that it is a thing. I'm telling you because I've coached so many people and I hear it all the time. So this may be an episode where it's not for everybody, but sometimes we really have to segment a little bit and serve the needs of different members of our community. And I would love to hear from you if this was for you. 
Like if this was for you and you needed this encouragement, then I want to hear from you in our Facebook group, the Redefining Wealth Facebook community, completely free. Come on over and join us or you can find me anywhere in social media, YouTube. You're welcome to comment. I check out all those comments and on Instagram, Seek Wisdom PCW. Let me know if this was a blessing to you, if there was a little gem, a nugget for you that is encouraging you and encouraging idea that you're going to take with you into the upcoming weeks, months, years ahead. All right. Thank you so much for joining us again. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review. It really helps us continue to grow the podcast. And that's it for now. Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.